3: This is
0: The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Welcome in to The Edge right here on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Brady Cannon live at the South Point Hotel, Casino and Spa in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, filling in for Matt Humans and Jonathan Von Tobel. And along with me is my friend Will Hill joining us via the Northeast. How are you, my friend?
3: BK, I'm great. We got a great hour, Uh, a lot to discuss. What was a crazy night last night? We got a Stanley Cup final with the trophy in the building tonight, full card of baseball, the Travelers. So, uh, a lot to do. I'm excited for it.
2: Yeah, you and I get to talk now and then on the Lombardi line, a few other shows here and there, but nice to spend an entire hour with you here on the edge. But let's get to the craziness that was the last 24 to 36 hours in the world of sports betting, the wagering, the volatility, the tweets, the speculation, all the activity surrounding who would be the number one pick in Thursday night's NBA draft. And while we were soaking up all the action, our man Ben Fox, he was on the job tweeting and talking with sports bettors and bookmakers and providing us with so much of this crazy information while it was all going on. And he joins us here in studio our vice president of digital content first of all great job ben in gathering all this information and keeping us all up to date you can find ben's article at visoncom and of course check his twitter timeline that was very active on thursday night ben i want to ask you where does this rank for you as far as 24 to 36 hours of the most crazy high volume high volatility sports betting moments
1: It's right up there. I mean, first of all, I think you can see some gray in my beard here from the last uh, 24 hours reporting this story. But I think I made a little list, and most of the events are kind of a longer term, right? Futures, I think Mayweather, McGregor, certainly. I think Leicester City, 5,000 to 1, that. And the Patriots, 28 to 3, the Super Bowl comeback. There's some of those events, but there's very rarely been an event like this where multiple times the favorite changed, and you really had basically Woj against the betters, and then the betting markets, you know, one way, and then strictly changing the morning of the draft, specifically off of Woj's tweet, and then even after that tweet, coming back again. So it was just a crazy you know, a couple of days and then certainly yesterday throughout leading up to the pre-draft show and then the actual draft where even Paolo Banqueiro said he didn't know where he was going until five minutes, you know, 30 seconds before he was picked. So just a wild event. And I don't think a day we'll see in sports betting likely anytime soon.
3: Ben, uh, great piece, great reporting. Uh, again, com to check out the article. You got to read it. Um, would you compare this to the election either 2016 2020 I know it's not a sports thing but I I remember 2016 both candidates were
1: minus 1500 favorites at one point is that a fair comparison I think it's a good comparison I I would say basically that there's a couple different kind of buckets of betters for this and in, in reporting this out I think there's one bucket that is generally kind of Gill and Drew Dinsick and a couple others that I spoke to who just felt the odds were off on Paolo, right? He kind of opened at roughly a plus 200, I think Chet was around plus 180, and Jabari Smith, the favorite, slight favorite, plus 110, around even money. And over the course of a couple months, this was in April and at some other books even before when it opened, all of a sudden Bankero was 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1. And they just felt that the odds were out of whack, right? So there's no inside information here. They just kind of felt like this is a three-horse race. It's being priced as a two-horse race. Something is off here. We're going to take a shot on Boncaro. I think there's a smaller group that it sounded like late Sunday night, early Monday morning had some information, some pretty good information that, in fact, Bancaro was going number one, some different information from Woj. They bet that. And then I think there's a third group that saw the odds moving and said, oh, this is interesting. I think we generally call them steam chasers, right? Something like that. People seeing the line moving and betting into that. I think that was kind of the initial movement on Sunday night, Monday morning. But it's very interesting. The odds were pretty much the same from Monday until really Wednesday, Wednesday night.
2: Yeah, you know, I would uh, consider myself in that crowd that was not really interested in betting the NBA draft. I don't do a lot of betting on the NFL draft either. And I woke up on Thursday morning and I was checking through my different apps and I saw Bancaro at plus two seventy five. Mm-hmm. And I had heard about all the activity from the night prior. And I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm doing the show with humans today. I'll get involved and I'll put a couple of dollars on Bancaro, And boy, that was a ton of fun, man. Uh, and, and there was sharp. Si- I think there were sharp people on both sides, really. Correct. A- and yeah. that was, you know, that was all a part of the movement as well. We had that tweet up there earlier that Woj sent out earlier in the day where he basically stated he, he thought it was, you know, firmly in place that it was going to go one, two, three. And of course, that would move the market. And then you might have another tweet. And, and right up towards the end, he said, well, now it looks like bancaro has got a chance. And then, of course, that moved it some more. I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, what would you say? It, it, it had to be about a 36-hour seesaw affair.
1: Yeah. So continuing on that, kind of, some people bet it Monday morning. It was sixteen to one. I think Crackman said he had twelve hundred dollars yeah. at the Westgate at sixteen to one. I know Gil bet it, and they were kind of in like that. Like I said, with Drew Dinsick, the these odds just seem off. But in parallel, there were people who did have some information betting it. And I think that combination really is Sunday night, more Monday morning, what kind of affected the market. Thomas Gable told me they opened it Monday morning at 9 to 1. They took their first four bets immediately on Bankero. Mm. Then they moved it to 7 to 1. They took a limit bet from a better he respects, kind of someone who usually has some information, as he said, perhaps before some other people have it. Moved it to 5 to 1, 3 to 1, and he said, it, you know, The wheels were kind of off the train at that point. But up until Wednesday night, that was basically the same. And you would had Woj saying that it was probably going to be Jabari Smith number one. And really, I think Wednesday night, when we saw Bancaro shift to the favorite and overnight into Thursday morning, what was really interesting is then waking up Thursday morning, Bancaro's the favorite. Woj tweets that, that it's increasingly firm. Jabari Smith will be number one, Chet two, and uh, number three, the uh, name who's escaping me now, uh, Bancaro, excuse me. And then the sports books take the odds down. FanDuel, some others, put it back up at minus 10,000. Yeah. yeah. Minus 10,000, and slowly it starts getting chipped away again over the course of the day. I think that's when more information was known from more people, and you really kind of had this betters versus woge. And there was no other tweet until about 18 minutes or so before the actual draft when he was on the pregame show. It was just fascinating to watch, and I really didn't think that it was actually going to happen. I, I was covering it because I thought, you know, it would be a great story if it did. But as I was reporting this out and thinking, when has Woj been wrong? Yeah, right? Not that often. So I think for sports books, a lot of them shut it down Thursday morning, thinking, okay, Woj said this Jabari's going number one, so we don't want to take any more action on him. And in fact, it was kind of the opposite. So it's just just a fascinating situation all around.
3: Yeah, Ben, uh, I think fascinating is the right word. And I think if we ever got the full story, the true story, which I don't know that we will, it would be like a movie, a 30 for 30, because it's just an incredible situation. Um, you know, like you said, uh, after Woj tweets it, there's still people on Twitter not only confident that Boncaro was going first, but if you read some of the tweets, people that were on board with Boncaro, they were almost defiant that he was going one. Uh, when you talk to people from the sports books, you know, Boncaro, like you said, didn't know. Woj didn't know. Shams didn't even tweet. He didn't even get involved. Uh, From the sportsbook side of it, where do they think this came from?
1: It's a great question. My best guess as of now is a very vague somewhere in the magic camp, I would say. And, you know, how do we know how those types of things get out? I think we probably saw something like that with the Jaguars, right, with Trayvon Walker going number one and those odds uh, switching. But once those odds flipped, they didn't flip back. And I think that's what was so interesting about this case is that they flipped. You had the Woj tweet. A lot of sports books took it down. Uh, sp- different sports books obviously have different rules. In Nevada, it's interesting that some of them, obviously, they have to take it down 24 hours before. One sports book I spoke with, they actually had 93% of their handle on Jabari Smith. They were wow. like, all right, we're going to get killed. They took it down Wednesday night before all the Paolo money came back. They were a huge winner. Now, that was the exception to the rule. I think most sports books, some took it on the chin, some it was a small loss. But just kind of fascinating that this information came out. And like Will said, Drew Dinsick was on Gil's show on Thursday morning, and he said not one pro bettor reached out to him to kind of offset some of that exposure. So I think by that point, on Paolo. So I think by that point, the information was out there amongst bettors that, hey, we feel like Paolo is going number one. We have that information, and kind of Woj's reporting be damned, which is not something you would ever say. And so I think the sportsbooks, you can only react to what's out there. And what was out there was Woj, who, like I said, I can't remember a time he's been wrong, saying basically, this is increasingly firm. Jabari Smith's going to be one. This is the order and react to that. And that's what sportsbook did. You kind of touched on it, and that's what I was going to ask you. How did this uh, all
2: play out for the sports books? It doesn't seem to me like they all took a bath and got killed because, I mean, with Jamari Smith up there at minus 10,000, and even when Matt and I were doing this show on Thursday, he got all the way to minus 475, minus 900. Then you saw it come back. It, it was so volatile. You would think, uh, just from, a, again, a, an outsider looking in here, you would think that there was some balance in the books.
1: Yeah, and, and when we talk about any of these stories, Stories, right sharps are a different numbers and sure. different sides sure. right so and I do think pro-
2: and there's probably not a lot of money it takes to move an NBA draft line
1: correct I, I do think there was respect and money on Jabari especially when those odds started getting shorter and shorter and shorter at FanDuel like I said they reopened minus 10,000 Jabari got down to minus 135 so if you think he's going number one and Woj tweeted that now you're getting at minus 135 you're gonna take that and that's why I think we saw those odds drift back towards Jabari being number one, just it just kind of, again, like we said, an incredible situation. I don't know if we're going to see anything like it anytime soon. I think there's certainly an interesting topic about Woj tweeting and Schefter tweeting and the power of that, the power to move markets. Uh, that'll be something for the coming days and longer, but just a fascinating situation.
2: Yeah, that's a whole other story, right? The tweets and how sports books are going yep. to handle these things in the future. Well, thank you very much, my friend, for joining us. And of course, great work again last night and what was really a thrilling day in not only sports for these young gentlemen that are making their way into the NBA, but for sports betters. Our friend Matt Eumans, he had a great number on Jabari Smith from a while ago at minus one forty. We know he's no dummy. I thought he had a really sharp bet there. Just wild how all that on. Un- Folded. we're going to get into nhl game five ben's going to step away will hill and i the rest of the way right here on the edge at Vsin, the sports betting network
5: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime Kobe would win
0: a one-on-one concept. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's it. going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like,
5: you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going to guard and then on I'm top not of that. like that, see that?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came
4: out from room crying, tears. <laughs> crying. Tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember you what know? I told
0: you? I
4: said, I said, OG, oh, you think
0: I can get paid and go back and play in college because you didn't it.
2: The VSIN Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily baseball bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features daily best bet emails, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost, again, only $19 to be a subscriber. Through july thirty-first. Sign up now at vcin.com slash summer. Brady Cannon and Will Hill substituting for Matt Eumanns and Jonathan Von Tobel, who are both uh, enjoying a little time away. I believe they're both in sunny San Diego. I know Matt was at the Padres' loss last night. Joe Musgrove coming off the I.L., uh, Will, and took a loss there to the Phillies. I think you might have a a play in that game that we will get to later in the program. I want to continue on a little bit with what Ben Fox was saying there. Uh, Again, very kind of him to join us here in studio today. I know it's been a very busy couple of days for him. With all that's going on, and thank goodness, Will, that we talk about sports betting because I think that is really the story here. That is the NBA draft, especially obviously the first pick. And of course, you had player props and you know under over the draft position a certain guy was going to go. But certainly, the biggest story is uh, Ben Caro versus Jabari Smith, who was going to be number one. And and Ben brought it up. Where do we go? moving forward in betting the draft, whether it's the NFL or the NBA. And I know bookmakers here in Las Vegas, uh, they're very apprehensive to put it up uh, for too long. Uh, they do cut it off 24 hours prior for the NFL. And, you know, all these tweets from Roge and Shams and, you know, where, where is this going to go as it's tipping the hand for bettors to want to get involved. And, You just wonder if there's going to be some adjustments by both the books, uh, by the TV networks, you know, the the folks that employ Woj and the other sorts of these reporters. I wonder, you know, how much opportunity we're going to have as sports bettors in drafts of the future.
3: Sure. And I have a laundry list of questions I could ask Ben. So I guess I'll throw some of them to you. But uh, I think you make a good point. What do we do going forward here? I think the answer is, you know what? They're going to be very cautious, not opening up these markets, limiting um, I think that's probably the way to go because I think, you know, in the past, and I think we can use the past tense for this. Now I think it's fair. Woj's word was gospel. If th- if he says this was going to happen, if he sends out a tweet, that's what happens. It was just, he didn't even think twice about it. This is a ding on Wait on Woj. There's no other way around it. I mean, he, uh, now he didn't lock in and say he's absolutely going first, but his language was pretty strong. That Jabari was going one to the magic. Chet was going two to OKC and, uh, and Paolo was going three to the rockets. It didn't happen that way. And, you know that changes things, and uh, I guess one of the questions I had for for Ben, and I'll ask you: If you're the magic, what was the point of fooling everybody? You know, misdirection, misleading. Boncaro didn't know, Woj didn't know, Shams didn't know. What was the point of keeping this? You know, it's like I, I get the pump fake aspect if you're picking fourth, but. You know, if you're standing at the free throw line, you don't need to bump fake anybody. I'm not sure what Orlando gained from this. I think that's a good point you make.
2: If you're picking fourth or further down the board there, then yeah, you don't necessarily want to tip your hand. Uh, But why did the Orlando Magic, why were they so secretive about it? And maybe it's because of the Houston Rockets factor, and maybe they didn't want to let Houston know which way they were going to go, because Houston was probably going to take whoever of the two players, Bancaro and Smith, that they did not select. And maybe they just wanted to keep them on their toes and unprepared a bit. That's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. I'll ask you this as well. And, and Ben talked about it, we've all talked about it, that Woj, he's really never gotten anything wrong, it seems. I can remember maybe a couple times where, you know, he misfired, but this was certainly the most glaring example. Do you think he was not being, you know, the, the folks that his sources and what have you were not completely up front with him? I hate to use the word they lied to him, but let's say they, they weren't necessarily spilling the beans maybe the way they would normally do so.
3: Yeah. It's uh boy. I'm trying to think of a good way to answer this because I had Ethan Strauss on right around the trade deadline on my podcast. And at the time, Woj was adamant, Harden was not going to the Sixers and there was no deal being discussed. And of course the deal happened and Woj tried to patch it up by saying, well, it was last minute. Well, if you look at that deal, there was a lot of pick swaps, pick protections, multiple players, star players. That wasn't a deal that got, you know, patched together over lunch. Meanwhile, Windhorst, who is his you know coworker, uh, said the deal was going on the whole time and was adamant the whole, the whole time. And Ethan Strauss made the point, Woj, you know, comes from the Spurs camp. Sean Marks, the Nets GM, comes from the Spurs camp. Sometimes Woj, you know, says things for a purpose to help the Nets in terms of negotiating. Now, uh, in terms of this case, I don't know who he would have been helping by misleading people. Uh, again, if we ever got the true story here, this is like a movie or a 30 for 30 because I don't see his motivation to lie. I don't know who he's helping. I guess, you know, you could say you're keeping the Rockets on your toes, but – Look, if you're the Orlando Magic, you haven't been relevant in forever. You know, you want to get to 500 as a franchise, keeping the Rockets and the other conference on their toes. I'm not sure what that what purpose that serves. So, um I really don't know and, and I, if I was Woj, um look, there's there's really no coming back from it, but what I would have done during the draft to say, "Hey, you know what? I got bad information. I got lied to." But cuz because, you know, 10, 15 minutes before the draft to say, "Hey, Boncaro's emerging as the first pick," and then 5 minutes after that, "Oh, they're going to pick him." That's not how these drafts work. They had the number one pick forever. They knew who they were picking. Uh, this idea that, hey, in the last 10 minutes, they just switched to Palo is not accurate. And I think, you know, he, he was a misleading way to, to phrase it. He should have just been honest and said, you know what? I got some bad information.
2: Uh, you mentioned uh, the Nets and negotiations. That's uh, another story that's developing here that we will discuss another Isn't day. It always? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt for sure. KD and Kyrie once again uh, in a soap opera, if you will. Uh, let's talk some hockey, my friend. The Stanley Cup final moves to Colorado for Game 5 tonight with the Avalanche looking to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup and the Tampa Bay Lightning looking to make it three straight championships, trying to stay alive in the Mile High City this evening. Colorado is a big favorite on the money line tonight i've seen as high as minus 190 and if you look at that loss that the tampa bay lightning suffered in game four will it really felt like a deflating blow on wednesday night when they failed to even the series at two games apiece on their home ice does this team in your opinion have enough in the tank to keep hockey on the schedule through this weekend
3: now, I, I, like I mentioned, we got the trophy in the building tonight. I think that trophy gets lifted tonight and uh, for all the reasons you just mentioned. Now, this Lightning team, they have the heart of a championship, sort of like the Warriors, that championship DNA where they fight back. I mean, think about it. They were on the, the brink of elimination against Toronto. Down 2 nothing to the Rangers in Game 3 and down 2 nothing in Game 3, about to go down 3-0, fought back. Even in Game 1, they were down 3-1, fought back to force overtime. But when you're the underdog – Look, an overtime game is a coin flip. You can't lose two coin flips. You can't lose two overtime games. You just you need one of those to go your way. Uh, I think Tampa, look, you're, you had a lead, two different leads the other night. What was it? Wednesday night uh, in game four. Two different leads. If you get that thing to 2-2 uh, in terms of the series and make it a best of three, hey, you get to a game seven, anything can happen. So you got a great goalie. It's hockey. But uh, to win three straight elimination games, two of them in Colorado, uh, I just feel like they're out of gas. I, I think Colorado – uh, who's been really good at home? They've been really just an offensive force at home. I, I would expect Colorado to win tonight. I do like the over too, and uh, I think if you if you like Colorado, you got to like the over in these games, and if you like the Lightning, you got to play the under. I just think there's a, a correlation there where if the Avalanche win the game, it's more likely you know an up tempo game where uh, a lot of goals are being scored. That's their style. Where if the Lightning win, they sort of have to win a pitcher's duel, two to one, three to two. So we've averaged almost seven goals per game in this series. It's been an over series. Um, I would look toward the abs tonight and towards the over and we don't talk parlays much, but if they're, if parlays are correlated, I'm okay with it. You can get like plus two ten here on a correlated parlay avalanche and the over. Um, I don't think that's a bad bet. I do think the avalanche sort of wrap it up here. Do you have any bets in this game?
2: Well, I I do. And I'll get to that, but I want to throw this out at you. And I I wonder if you're a part of team uh, conspiracy theory. The Avalanche clearly had six players on the ice the other night. Uh, they were going through substitutions in the overtime period, and just seconds after that, they scored the winning goal. So you wonder if there's something to this where, hey, we owe, we owe the Lightning one. And there's also the thought that we'd certainly love to have another game, at least get this to six games. Do you buy into that in terms of your overall handicap? It seems like you know that is something that is legitimate with sports that are different, where we where we. Often see that as common practice. Let's say in boxing, if in the first bout this guy wins, then the next guy is going to win uh, the second bout, so they can have a third fight. Uh, you wonder if that figures in here this evening.
3: It's not a bad way of looking at it. I kind of had the same thinking a week or so ago. Game six, Celtics Warriors. You know what? They're going to extend the series. It would be great for ratings, great for revenue to have an NBA Game Seven Finals in on Father's Day. It hasn't been a great playoffs. You know, let's get a Game Seven. Boston's going to get every call. Obviously, the Warriors just hit every shot. And uh, really, after a 12-2 Celtics lead, the Warriors just stormed past and never was a game. So uh, I like where your head's at. I totally agree that that's, uh, that's something that's got to be in the back of your mind. But I, I would still lean towards the avalanche here. The Avalanche, by the way, are seven
2: and two at home during this postseason, and it's been 21 years since they have hoisted the Stanley Cup. To answer your earlier question, Will, I do have two very small plays, not necessarily your correlated parlay. I'm with you on the over, but I also made a small play on Tampa Bay. I do think there is something here, and we know as betters, we always don't want to do or react to what we saw last, and what we saw last was Tampa Bay looking out of gas and Colorado. Colorado looking like they're ready to close this out and I believe all of that I'm just not ready to go there yet so I did make a small play on Tampa Bay plus money and I'm with you on the over we'll discuss that a little further in our best bets section of the program that's coming up in the final segment next we get to some major league baseball good slate of games for your Friday night we'll be right back on the edge Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine. Nicotine pouches are smoke-free and spit-free and are made with food-grade ingredients. Simply open the child-resistant lid and place the pouch between your upper lip and gum for up to one hour of real nicotine satisfaction. Zen is available in ten varieties and two strengths. Three milligrams for fresh nicotine satisfaction and six milligrams for even more nicotine enjoyment. Simple and discreet, you can enjoy Zen anywhere, anytime. Find your freedom, find your satisfaction, find your Zen. Visit Zen.com. That's Z yn.com to learn more and find Zen nicotine pouches near you. Brady Cannon and Will Hill back with you on the edge. Rory McIlroy unraveling a little bit at the Travelers Championship. Had it to 13 under par and was in the lead and then made a quadruple bogey, a snowman looking like you and me on the golf course out there, Will. He made an 8 and he's now playing the par 5 and he's got a lengthy putt to save par here. He may drop another shot, which would drop him back to 8 under par. Xander Shoffley currently in the lead at 12 under par. All right, 4.05 PM Pacific, 7.05 PM Eastern. Back there in your neck of the woods, Will, the Houston Astros, they'll send Cy Young candidate Justin Verlander to the hill to face Luis Severino and the Yankees. New York took uh, game one of this four-game set on Thursday night in dramatic comeback fashion. Aaron Judge doing it once again with the game-winning hit in the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Yankees have taken some of the early money here in game two. So has the under. The Bombers right now, Will, minus 127 is the consensus number on the money line and eight is your total. What do you think? Do the magic Yankees continue or Verlander? Is he going to show up big time tonight?
3: Yeah, I like the Yankees here. They have been dominant home. Uh, and really that was an incredible baseball game last night. Hicks with the big blow, really to take it from six, three to six, six after two uh, back-to-back walks to lead off the inning. He hit that ball a mile and he's really been struggling. So I'm sure that felt good for him. Uh, it was weird. It was six, six. Each team had had a pair of three run homers, And Stanton hit one for the Yankees. And if you're looking at player props, that might be a good way to go if you can get a big number on Stanton to hit a home run because he had been slumping until last night. And he's got a habit, like a lot of these sluggers, to hit him in bunches. So wouldn't be surprised if he hits five or six over the next week. Might look at that uh, Stanton prop uh, in terms of a home run. But I do like the Yankees here. Severino's really, uh, like all these Yankee pitchers, just been dominant. Remember, 2017, he's a 22-, 23-year-old He's third in the Cy Young, and since then he's dealt with you know elbow injuries, shoulder injuries, missed a season, had surgery, but he is back. He has been outstanding, and like I said, the Yankees have been really good at home here, and boy, it's hard to believe this team is, what, 52-18, and 18, really on pace to win 120 games. It doesn't seem possible. You look at the lineup with Gallo and, like I mentioned, Hicks and kind of This isn't that, like, 98 Yankees team with no flaws, but uh, they have certainly been dominant, and I think this price is a little short here, and Remember, the Yankee fans, we don't talk about home field and baseball a lot, and probably rightfully so. This is going to be a vicious crowd tonight, a Friday night crowd in the Bronx. They they hate the Astros. They haven't had their chance to heckle the Astros since that whole buzzer scandal uh, 2020. They didn't play each other. 2021, they played, but in May with limited attendance. Uh, tonight. They'll be out in full force. I'm sure they would love to beat the Astros tonight, so should be a good crowd, a good atmosphere, and I, I do like the Yankees here. curious what you think.
2: Uh, it's a great point that you bring up. That certainly will be a fun time in the Bronx this evening. No, I mean, how can you go against the Yankees? I'm going to sit back and watch this one. I did not play this game. I've been a real fan of Verlander's comeback this year as well, uh, so I could see them putting up some fight for sure. They should have won the game on Thursday night. They had the lead basically the entire time, but yeah, I, I certainly can't go against the Bombers right now the way they are uh, just doing magical things to get to 52 wins on the year, like you say. Pittsburgh Pirates have been kind of magical as of late. Uh, they're just playing 500 ball over their last ten, but they have certainly been a hot story, despite the fact they're still 11 games under 500, and they're big underdogs tonight down in Tampa Bay for an interleague series getting going this weekend. It'll be Mitch Keller for the Bucks facing Jeffrey Springs and the Rays. They have been struggling. They of course faced the Yankees just recently. They've lost seven of their last ten, and they're down to fourth place in the American League East division. Yet, like I said. Say big favorites here tonight. Consensus number on the money line will minus two ten with a total of seven. Any play for you here?
3: Nah, too big of a number. If I were gonna play anything, I might take a run and a half here with the Pirates, something like that, because of course you're getting the extra bat being on the road. Um, you know, this is not a vintage Tampa team, like you mentioned, fourth place. They've really struggled defensively. And you think of Tampa, you think not only one of the best organizations in baseball, this is one of the best run franchises in sports because they have very limited resources, not a big payroll, and they seem to compete with the big boys year in, year out, get to a World Series, win 100 games last year, but it's not the same team. And on top of that, you know, like I said, the defense is bad, but their offense is a mess right now. They can't hit, they can't score any runs, and they have all sorts of injuries. Franco's working his way back. Uh, Zanino's out. Kiermaier, Margot, they are just, they're missing all, uh, Brandon Lowe, they are missing all sorts of firepower on offense. Springs is a pretty good pitcher for Tampa, you know, typical uh, Tampa product where he limits weak contact or he limits hard contact, you know, he generates weak contact. He's been an under-the-radar pitcher, but to me, laying over $2 with this Tampa team, not something I'm interested in. I'll, I'll be like you with the other game. I'm going to watch this one because uh, it's weird to say a Pirates game is must-watch, but this kid, O'Neill Cruz, for people that haven't watched him, Boy, the ball jumps off his bat and jumps out of his hand when he throws. I mean, he threw a ball from shortstop to first base the other night. It was like Nolan Ryan throwing a fastball. I mean, this kid is an incredible talent. So – Uh, it's good for baseball. Pirates got a little excitement with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the hottest stories in baseball, indeed, is O'Neill Cruz, and I think I like uh, where you're going there, possibly taking the run and a half, which you have to lay about minus 125, getting a run and a half with the Pittsburgh Pirates. At 420 Pacific, 720 Eastern, a good matchup in Atlanta. The Los Angeles Dodgers, they continue their road trip, visiting the Braves in Atlanta. Of course, they've been the hottest team in baseball for the last few weeks. They lead, or the Dodgers, rather, they're Lead in the NL West has meanwhile been trimmed to just one game and they were tied for a couple of days with the San Diego Padres. Padres losing on Thursday night, Dodgers winning. So that lead in the division back up to one game. It'll be Julio Urias opposing Ian Anderson, who I believe has won three games in a row. And the boys from SoCal, Will, are road favorites here. Minus 130 on the money line with a total of nine. And Freddie Freeman back in Atlanta to face his old mates. This Braves club, like I mentioned, hottest team in the league right now they have won 18 out of their last 21 ball games
3: yeah they beat up on a soft schedule uh they played well against the giants this week that's a good storyline hadn't thought about that freddie freeman back in atlanta also this is a rematch of the last two nlcs's i remember in uh in, in the bubble season so to speak they went to seven la rallied from three one down won the series uh, and last year atlanta got their revenge so Maybe a playoff preview here. I think Atlanta versus the Mets is going to be a pennant race all summer. They those two teams have 15 games head to head. Like you said, Atlanta. We all knew they were better than how they were playing early in the season. There's uh, talent in that lineup, up and down the roster. Their pitching staff's really good. You know, Strider, the rookie, to go with uh, obviously Freed Anderson, who's going tonight. So should be a fun game. I don't have a play. If I did, I, I think Atlanta's a live dog here. Uh, the Dodgers have struggled. You know, Betts is out. The lineup's still really good, but that, they don't have that vintage pitching they've had in past years. I think, you know, getting nothing out of Bauer, who at the time seemed like a luxury move. People compared it to Durant to going to Golden State, and ended up they needed Bauer because they they didn't re-sign Scherzer. Kershaw's older; he's he's still really good, but you know he's been back and forth off the IL. They don't have that dominant pitching. You know, Bueller's hurt. He hasn't been good. Dustin May still working his way back from injury. So there's not, they're not that six, seven deep pitching staff we're used to seeing with the Dodgers, but should be a fun game tonight. If I had to play it, uh, I do think Atlanta is a pretty live dog here.
2: Yeah, I did not play it, but I would agree with you. I think Atlanta is very live, and, and maybe I'll talk myself into it here. Julio Urias has been another one of those Dodger starters. Uh, he's starting to come around as of late, but he struggled for the most part this year as well. So I would be with you taking the uh, taking the plus money on the home team, Atlanta Braves here. Uh, not all games are sexy, Will, but it doesn't mean we can't bet them. The Oakland A's visiting the Kansas City Royals. It'll be Zach Grinke and Cole Irvin going out at Grinky is 0-4 on the year and just returning from the injured list. I actually laid minus 135 with the Royals here, and this is really a bet against the Oakland A's who are just god-awful right now. And I typically don't like to bet on pitchers returning in their first start from the injured list, but I went ahead and did it. Like I say, I'm just going against the A's here in this one.
3: Yeah, you probably do all right the rest of the year fading the A's. Boy, <laughs> if they're going to win a game, it was yesterday. They had Montas. Montas was cruising. He had a no-hitter uh, goal. nothing the whole game. Yeah, he was unbelievable. And he's going to help somebody. Speaking of the Dodgers who need pitching, whether it's going to be Montas or Luis Castillo, uh, Montas will help somebody. So the A's, uh, look, I, I don't know what their adjusted season win total is, but uh, I would look towards an under there because not only are they bad, but they're going to start trading off some of these guys too. Montas, anyone who's not nailed down. There's no there's no point in going eighty percent of the way here. If you're going to be bad, might as well just tear it all the way down. You know, if you're if you're going to remake your bed, take off all the sheets and put them back on. So I, I think you could see a, a real fire sale here with the A. So maybe a, an adjusted season win total under here for the. Uh, for the A's is a good way to go, and, and I don't disagree here with your Royals play.
2: Maybe a couple summers from now, Will, you can uh, come join us here in Las Vegas, and we can go to an A's game. The uh, that would be good. C- the city of <laughs> Oakland, uh, Las Vegas, is going to be their worst enemy here pretty soon. But uh, I, I do think there's a very good chance that the Oakland A's may be in our backyard here in the near future. When we come back, uh, we're going to get into a couple more baseball games. Will, I know you've got a couple of plays to go over, and then we'll get into our, our best bets as well. You're going to talk. Do you have an NFL play for me were you talking about an NFL play a little earlier you're gonna go there Oh,
3: I, I always have NFL play it's football season we're a month away from the Hall of Fame game it's officially football season so you got to get out the pads and we're ready to go 64 days my friend until college who's football counting? kicks off college football kicks off in
2: 64 wow. days you're right who's counting can't wait we'll be right back with the final segment of the edge Will Hill and Brady Cannon with you on VSIN the sports betting network Welcome back into The Edge, Brady Cannon and Will Hill filling in for Matt Humans and Jonathan Von Tobel on a Friday, and Will, here in the studio at South Point Hotel Casino and Spa, they're showing what I believe are highlights from 1994, the San Francisco 49ers coached by George Seifert when Steve Young really took over for Joe Montana in full force. And there was a Philadelphia Eagles game at Candlestick Park where the Eagles won 40-8 to and just absolutely drubbed the Niners on their home field. And it was after that game that the Niners, this is a sports betting angle here, the Niners covered the game, covered the spread, and the game went over the total in every game throughout for the rest of the season. They made a statement after getting drubbed by the Eagles, I I believe that was about the fourth game of the season or so, the rest of the way, including the Super Bowl, they covered the spread and the over in each game.
3: Yeah, that was what. That was the year they uh they just buried the Chargers in the Super Bowl, and it's funny. Some of the younger people now don't realize how good they have it. Where the Super Bowl is pretty competitive every year. If you remember those early '90s, some of those Cowboys Bills ones. We went through a stretch where Super Bowl was just a two three score game every single year, and uh, they've gotten pretty good. In the past couple of years, I know Stephen Bond, a Bills fan. I'm sure he's not happy about us bringing up those four straight Super Bowls. But uh, yeah, the the, uh, the Super Bowl used to be just a bad game. I remember as a kid, it was a bad game every year until I think you know once the Patriots got in it, they were competitive in pretty much every Super Bowl, one way or another. Uh, pretty much every one of them was in within one score. That Titans Rams game, the one where Dyson got ah, tackled at yes. the one yard line, kind of swung it where. Um, you know, every single game from that point on, we've we've been pretty uh, spoiled here with good games. I actually middled that one. I think it landed on seven and I had, uh,
2: I think I had the NFC minus four and then I had the Titans plus eight. So I enjoyed that tackle uh, there at the end of the ball game. All right. Couple more baseball games for your Friday night card. And then we pass the baton to Stormy Bonantoni for my guys in the desert, the Toronto Blue Jays are nine games above 500, Will, and they still trail the Yankees in the American League East by 12 and a half games. They will take their show on the road to Milwaukee to face the Brewers tonight, another interleague affair, and the Toronto Blue Jays with their ace on the bump, Alec Manoa, to face Adrian Hauser, and Hauser, he has not been great off the, uh, so far this season, but he is off of a win over the Cincinnati Reds, and I did play the Brew coup here, Will. Tough to go against Manoa, but I thought this price was a little outrageous maybe not respecting a pretty darn good team in the Milwaukee Brewers I got plus 135 it's down down to plus 125 on Milwaukee are you with me or against me on this one
3: I'll go with you, Brady. You talked me into it. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of a baseball nerd. I think you're you're the same way. They really killed interleague with a couple things. Playing inter- interleague every day year round is not as much fun. It used to be, you know, one week right around now uh, in the middle of the summer, and then another week in, in a couple weeks around the All Star break. And it was fun. It was different. Uh, but we it's kind of been spoiled because it's every day now. And also the pitchers not hitting. The, the league's having the same rules. I think you know, spoils a little bit. So interleague, I think, has lost its luster. So kind of a weird matchup here. Blue Jays and Brewers, like you said. Brewers, probably a live dog. Manoa, maybe there's some regression here when you look at his underlying metrics. He had uh, he was cruising along against the Yankees the other day, and they just roughed him up middle of the game and ended up scoring four or five runs against him. So, uh, yeah, you can talk me into the Brewers here. Blue Jays, you know, nine games over, still leave you a little disappointed. Brios hasn't been great. Uh, you know, they haven't gotten... Uh, A lot with Rio's hurt. They haven't gotten a lot out of these acquisitions. Bichette's having a disappointing year. I know he's leading the shortstops in all-star voting, but his OPS is, is not very good either. Um, so, yeah, you could talk me into Milwaukee here. This might be a, a good bargain here on Milwaukee plus 130.
2: I am still seeing a plus 130 out there. I think it's fine at that price. Uh, I'd probably go down to as low as plus 125. Uh, again, I think the Brewers not quite getting the respect here uh, by the odds makers. And, and you look at pitchers. We talked about it last night with Joe Musgrove getting beaten by the Philadelphia Phillies. I think you have some pitchers in the league where the odds makers know that they're going to get bet. And Alec McNoah, Manoa is probably one of those pitchers. So maybe the line began uh, a little bit inflated when they opened it on the overnight. Now, I know you like the Phillies. They are down at Petco Park once again. They will wrap up the Friday night card down in San Diego. And of course, they're coming off of that win on Thursday night. Their ace gets the ball tonight in Aaron Nola, and he is a road favorite facing Mackenzie Will Uh, Looks like Nola's gotten some early money here too. Phillies now up to minus 125 on the money line. And for the second straight night, we have a total of seven I like the over on Thursday night I have not made a play on the total in this one are you looking at the side or the total or both
3: Uh, I like Philly I think you mentioned the top of the show humans was at this game which I didn't know and I also saw JVT was was tweeting that he was at the game you know he had a nice beer which is surprising for me because the NBA draft going on I figured he'd be locked in uh to that but maybe we can get humans and uh and JVT down there and they can sort of work the umpires for us if we if we bet the Phillies here I do like Philly uh, top five team in the league in terms of OPS against lefties. Gore, who was starting to become odds-on favorite to win rookie of the year. He was down at plus 130, 140 just a couple weeks ago. He's really gotten lit up his last two starts, both against the Rockies. So a uh, tough matchup for him. And I think Nola's underrated. And, and if you're looking for just a long shot in terms of a Cy Young future, Nola has a .87 whip, the best in the league. And that's with a really shoddy defense behind him. So Nola's been outstanding. He, you know, He's a guy who's been up and down in his career. Always kind of leaves you wanting a little more, obviously a lot of talent, but I think this is a good price here and I am backing Philly tonight. Yeah, shoddy defense indeed. That has really killed the
2: Philadelphia Phillies this season. So you've got to play on the Phillies. That's one of your best bets. Let's roll right into our best bets here as we wrap up the program. Anything else for you tonight, Will, or down the road in the NFL, you kind of tease that anything going for you as far as your best bets?
3: Yeah, I mentioned earlier over six in the Avalanche game, and I did parlay Avalanche and over, and you can get over a two-dollar uh payout by parlaying those together, which I think are, are correlated. Uh how about a little teaser here to wet the appetite? Vikings, Packers play in week one, Cowboys and Bucks play in week one. Cowboys are home, Vikings are home. They're both getting one and a half. Perfect teaser legs. Tease them both up to seven and a half.
2: Ah. Uh, Vikings
3: and the Cowboys. Nice little teaser to wet your appetite uh, An advantage play. You go through the three, go through the seven, you take the seven and a half. And boy, just talking about the NFL teasers gets me all excited for uh, for football, which is around the corner.
2: Well, I tell you, that's a big underdog that cashed right there that on uh, June 24th, we'd be
3: talking about an NFL teaser play. <laughs> well, um, that's that's a bad line. That's bad line making. It's not knowing, <laughs> you know, the, the participants.
2: All right, let's uh, go to my best bets, and uh, I do have a couple on the diamonds tonight. I mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers at plus 135. I still think it's good to plus 125, and I bet the Royals at minus 135 to get past the Oakland Athletics. It looks like the A's may have taken a little money as I'm seeing minus 130 available out there on the money line on the Royals, and maybe that's uh, the angle we were talking about with Zach Grinkey. He's 0-4, of course, on the year, and this is his first start after coming off of the I. That's typically a spot I like to go against the pitcher, uh, but I'm going to ride Zach Greinke tonight going against the Oakland A's. Uh, I've got a few golf bets for you here, Will. I have uh, looked ahead to the Open Championship, which we are less than three weeks away from. They will tee up in exactly 20 days at the old course. The home of golf, St. Andrews, will be the site of this year's Open Championship, and yeah, I did it. I bet Tiger Woods to win the Open Championship. I've been talking about this on Visa in a little bit. I bet it right after the Masters at fifty to one because what I saw, what he did at Augusta National, showed me that his game. There's not a lot of problems with his game. It's just his health. And is he going to be able to walk the course for seventy two holes? Well, St. Andrews is very, very flat, and he's of course had two or three months since then to heal and get better with the strength in his legs. So I bet him at fifty to one, and then the odds were. Kind of just reintroduced this week with the field more coming into play and whatnot, the field shaping up that we will get in a few weeks. And at Circa, he was at 85-1. to So I added a little, and and these are not big plays, but I do think Tiger has a shot. I made a much more serious play on Jordan Spieth at 25-1. to He's had great success here, not only in the British Open, but finished fourth the last time they were at the old course in 2015. And then my long shot of all long shots, Danny Willett, at 200 to 1. He has won on this course before on the European Tour for the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. Of course, he has a green jacket and he just finished 12th at the Masters back in April as well. So 200 to 1 on Danny Willett, 85 on Tiger, and 25 to 1 on Jordan Spieth to win the British Open.
3: Not bad. Well, that's a good angle on Willett, and and I agree with you, Tiger, with the flat course. That's interesting. Let me ask you a couple guys. Did anyone miss your card narrowly? I know Sam Burns is a guy I'm always looking at. I always think he's a little bit underpriced. Um, and, and Zalatoris, who just can't seem to break through with these majors. You figure it's about time. You figure he's going to get one eventually. Uh, are those two guys you looked at at all? Well, Burns, I think, is always somebody you have to consider, and you're right. Willie Z
2: in the majors has become just a machine, but I'm going to stay away from him here. I believe this will be his very first British Open, and, and I don't want to go there with him. By the way, you and I also match up on a football play. We both have the Baltimore Ravens to win the AFC North, yes?
3: Yeah, you can get some good lines here in the summer. I mean, just break it down quickly. Pittsburgh with Pickett and Trubisky probably not winning the division. Uh, the Browns with everything going on with Watson, I doubt he plays this year. You can probably count them out. So it's the Ravens and it's the Bengals. you got the Super Bowl uh, hangover for the Bengals. And you can even back this up. Ravens to win the North, get almost $2 to uh, on that bet, and then back it up with Bengals at even money to make the playoffs. There's a chance you, just, you split or there's a chance you win both. You're probably not going to lose both of them.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a good play right there down here in Las Vegas. The Ravens all the way down to plus 160 to win the division. Will, great being with you. Thank you to Sean McCollum. Thank you to Stephen Bond. Next up, it is Stormy Bon and Tony for my guys in the desert. Keep it right here at VSYN, the Sports Betting Network.